friends, welcome to Log On at 11, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during our current COVID season. We're going to follow what has become our regular pattern for one of these things, just using a little liturgy to hold our worship together. If you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I shall say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Lighthouse Bletchley South, which is going to be meeting in the church centre um, during the first week in August in the mornings. Um, yeah, if you haven't read about it already in, in the newsletter, just to remind you that we're going to have a week of activities for children aged five to nine, and we're going to be meet, we're meeting in two separate groups as independent bubbles. Now, I'm really happy to tell you that we have nearly all of the volunteer helpers available, lamplighters and lighthouse keepers. But now, of course, we need some children. Now, if you think you know some children who you'd like to invite as either part of your family or friends, could you please have a little look at lighthousecentral.org and follow the links to register anybody who might be interested in joining in the fun. We're going to do games, we're going to pray together, we're going to um, do something called worship, which is great fun, obviously, and uh, have, have lots of, of craft activities too. So it will be a busy, long morning for anybody who would like to join in. So, encouraging you to think around your friends and family who you might like to invite to our lighthouse this summer. Uh, thank you for your listening. Bye. Oh, hi there, Luke. Hi, Laura. What have you been doing? I haven't seen you for ages. There's been so much happening lately. I've been feeling a bit worn out, kind of feeling empty. 
That's no good, Luke. But today's going to be good, though. I'm going to a birthday party. Ooh, that sounds great. Whose party is it? It's my grandpa's. He's very old. One hundred and eighty, I think. No, he can't be that old. Yes, he can. He's a puppet. Remember, an old hand. Well, the party sounds like fun. Have you bought your grandpa a present? No, I haven't. I want to give him the best present I can. It's so hard to think of something. I mean, what do you give to an one hundred and eighty-year-old puppet who has everything? He even gets winded playing chess. Well, he'd probably just be happy to see you. Just being there to celebrate would probably be the best gift he could want. Just to hear you sing "Happy Birthday." Hmm. I'm not sure. He's got a hearing aid. Her name is Ivy. She tells him when to have his tablets. The first thing he hears in the morning is snap, crackle, pop, and it's not cereal. <laughs> well, we are having a celebration here today as well, actually. It's Pentecost Sunday. Petticoat Sunday? Does that mean that I should have worn a petticoat today? No, Luke. Maybe you need to borrow Ivy the hearing aid. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost. Well, I can't pay anything. I have to buy a present for Grandpa. Remember? No, you don't have to pay, Luke. Nothing to do with costs. Pentecost is a special celebration for Christians, remembering the gift of the Holy Spirit to all those people who believe in Jesus. It's called Pentecost because it comes from the Greek meaning fiftieth, as it's the fiftieth day after Easter Sunday and the end of Passover. So, from what I'm hearing, Pentecost is like a birthday for the church. Yes. The Holy Spirit's coming really completed what Jesus had begun in His birth, death, and resurrection. Well, what gift are you going to bring to this Pentecost party? That's the exciting thing, you see. We don't have to bring a present wrapped up in paper with a card. The Holy Spirit's gifts are wrapped in you. They are inside each person. Special talents and abilities the Spirit gives us. To serve God and to help each other, and to help the church grow stronger, God just wants to use up the special gifts. They're inside you, are they? Hmm. Funnily enough, I think I can kinda understand that. Hmm. Yes. Well, when the Holy Spirit came on that first Pentecost, Jesus's disciples were utterly transformed. Speaking in different tongues with boldness of his death, resurrection, and what he did for us. As a result, three thousand people were baptized that day. Wow! And it is the same Holy Spirit which is giving us gifts today. Exactly. With the Spirit strengthening us, anything is possible for Jesus' church. Ephesians two twenty one tells us, "In Jesus, the whole building is joined together." And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. What a great truth that is! You know what? I think I'm going to go early to Grandpa's party. Oh, what's the rush? 
You don't have to leave. Well, I don't have a gift for him yet, but at least I can get Grandpa started in his rocking chair and tell him all about Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Bye, Laura. Happy Pentecosting. Thanks, Lou. Happy birthday to your Grandpa. Happy Pentecost to you all. Bye. This Sunday's reading is taken from Acts 1, verses 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Happy birthday, Church. Pentecost today, uh, the birth of the Church, and what a dramatic way for the Church to be formed. This group of uh, disciples that had been so badly affected by the death of Jesus and then so surprised by his resurrection uh, and benefiting from those meetings with him post-resurrection, those conversations that he had with uh, uh, a number of different folk in a number of different contexts uh, and in a number of different ways, building faith and encouraging them all to know the truth that he was not dead anymore, but was indeed alive. He had risen from the dead. Uh, and his encouragement to them to wait for the promise uh, the, of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Uh, and once the Spirit had come, that would be their enabling power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and indeed to the ends of the earth. And of course, the Spirit comes and it comes in a quite a dramatic way. Um, early in the morning, when they're all gathered together, um, locked away in their upper room, and what looks like tongues of flame and what sounds like a rushing wind invades the room where they are. Uh, tongues of flame resting upon each of them in the room. And they are so full 
of the Spirit, so full of joy and love and grace and all that good stuff, that they pour out of the room, declaring the wonders of God in all of the known languages of the world. And everyone hears them. And some people can't see what's going on and make fun of them saying they're drunk. Uh, and others are quite taken with what's going on. And as a result of this outpouring of the Spirit and Peter's subsequent sermon explaining what is happening, uh, 3,000 new converts are added to the church in one day. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have in the church, that amazing church growth all in one go? No, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> But it would be good. I think it would be a, a useful nightmare to have. It's a happy problem, I think, the problem of growth. Uh, and please, God, it's a problem that we might have uh, as we continue to be faithful to God's word and to witness to the truth that we know that he's not dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, so we're thinking about sharing uh, faith, uh, sharing our story, um, being intentional about sharing faith with friends, family, neighbours, uh, and the Holy Spirit has a part to play in that. As, as we just said, the Holy Spirit just bursts upon the believers and pushes them out of their comfort zone, takes them out uh, into <clears throat> the marketplace and into the streets and the city square, and they're just so full of what God has done, they can't help but speak about it. Um, now, we're not like that, are we? We're Firstly, we're British, so we're reserved, and we're careful, and we're understated. And <laughs> Let's just remind ourselves of some of the stuff that we've been through uh, over recent weeks. Firstly, you know, all I want you to do is just tell your story. I want you to be able to relate um, what it means for you to be a Christian. So think about your story. Think about, you know, if people were to say to you, why are you a Christian? How would you answer that? How did you become a Christian? How would you answer that? What difference does being a Christian make to the way that you live your life now? How would you answer that? I just want you to think about those things. Be aware of your story. Think about those questions and how you might answer them from the depth of your story, from the, the safety of your story, if you like. The way that God has dealt with you, the way that God has drawn you, the way that God has nurtured you and has grown you in faith. So think about your story and think about those questions and how you would answer them. What would you say to someone who genuinely wanted to know why it is that you're a Christian? And what difference does it make to your life as you live it now? So just be aware of that. Think about that uh, and be ready to give an answer should those questions come your way. And they will come your way, um, especially if you start praying to God and saying, please give me an opportunity. And that's something I want you to do. 
Um, let's remember the evangelism, the sharing of our story. This is uh, an invitational thing. It's not a confrontational thing. I don't want you to stand on street corners and, uh, you know, shout at people. <laughs> I don't. <coughs> I really don't want you to do that. That is not an effective way to evangelise. People just walk by as far away from you as possible. I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I've I've been a Christian for a hundred years, not quite, uh, but it, I, it is so embarrassing and really irritating and annoying to see people doing that because nobody takes a blind bit of notice and you just are regarded as some sort of religious nutter. It is not helpful. Um, the best way of sharing your faith is actually to have a relationship with somebody first. Uh, this is always the most effective way uh, of seeing the gospel spread. It comes through relationship. It comes through people knowing you and trusting you uh, and then being willing to listen to what you have to say. And it, it comes when you love someone for their own sake, not just because you want to tell them about Jesus. But of course, you know, of course, you will want to, because this is the most important thing, isn't it, to know him. But just to love people for their own sake. When people know that, when they understand that, they are much more likely to listen to the things that you want to say to them uh, than if you're trying to sell them something. I mean, you know that as well as I do. So, you know, I'm, I'm not someone that thinks you've got to do stuff um, and do it quickly. I'm, I would encourage you to take the long view about this. Um, nurture relationship. That's the first place. That's the place you start. Nurture relationship. Encourage friendship. You know, be generous, as generous as you're able to be towards your family, friends and neighbours. Uh, with your time, with your talent, with your gift, with money, maybe, who knows. Um, but because God is generous towards us, we should be generous towards one another and towards those, you know, around us. So that that has to be the motivation for us. You know, the fact that God loves us and God loves all that he has made. The, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all the people that live therein. Psalm 24, verse one, for those of you that want a biblical reference, uh, that's the starting place. Uh, for me in all of this and I would want it to be the starting place for you um, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal life love is the motivating factor in all of this it's not you know notches on a stick or scalps or bums on seats in church it's n it's not that I mean, hopefully bums on seats happens as a byproduct. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and we do need to see more people coming into the church. We know that. But the motivation for us sharing our faith, wherever we are, is love. You know, the, the fact that God loves and in turn we love. That's the motivation. Um, so invitational, not confrontational. So you... You love the people you find yourselves among. Uh, you, you know, you let it be known somehow <laughs> that you're one of these strange people that is a Christian or goes to church, both preferably. 
uh, and you just love them, pray for them, and you patiently wait. And then at some point, someone will say, why is that then? Why are you a Christian? What difference does it make? And you're able to just tell your story. Uh, and that's all I want you to do. I just want you to tell your story. I, you don't have to know all the answers. Um, you won't know all the answers. We've said that, haven't we? Uh, and please don't worry about knowing all the answers. Just be honest and straightforward with people. And as we've said before, some people will want to poke you uh, and they'll want to blame you for all the troubles in the world. You know, that, that just comes with the territory, I'm afraid. Um, be patient. Continue to love them. Um, be respectful towards them. Uh, and, you know, have that generosity of spirit uh, and that generosity of approach. Uh, let them get stuff off their chest. And just continue to love them and bless them and wait for the time when they will come back, <clears throat> when they will come back with a genuine question, not just something so that they can vent their spleen at you. Uh, and we we've said haven't we, in previous weeks, sometimes, you know, being able to listen properly and respond to what is being said in a in a way that is positive and helpful uh, can just change the whole conversation uh, and we picked on suffering didn't we you know how can a god of love allow all this suffering in the world you can't answer that question but what you can do is ask an intelligent question of your own carefully and gently why is suffering at the top of your agenda when it comes to conversation about God. And then respond to their answer with grace and generosity of spirit. Just let the conversation go where it will. Um, so invitational, not confrontational. Um, everyone's invited. I mean, that that's the amazing thing about Pentecost, isn't it? And everyone pours out of that room. They're all Galileans. People notice that these people are all from Galilee. And yet here am I, uh, you know, from uh, Parthia uh, and I can hear them speaking in Parthian. And my mate who's a Mede can hear him in Median, <laughs> Persian, well, you know, whatever language, all the known languages of the world were being spoken. The glories of God, not just for one ethnic group. Not just for one social group, not just for, it's for everybody. And that's something we need to grasp, I think. Um, well, I mean, you will feel more comfortable around people that look like you, sound like you, you know, have the same values as you. Of course you will. Uh, and I've, I've been very careful to say that, you know, you you should start where you are uh, and I continue to believe that um, because I think that's your mission field you know where you are is your mission field uh, so make sure that you know your story and you're able to respond you know when people ask um, don't worry about what you can't do never worry about what you can't do always do what you can um, but 
when folk do start to arrive in church, as please God they will, um, make sure that they're welcome. Even if they don't look like you or sound like you. It is so important, friends, that when we are able to meet together once again, as indeed we will be able to, please God, not too far into the future, uh, that we are welcoming. Uh, and maybe you've been watching, uh, engaging with these services uh, at a distance and you've thought to yourself, well, when they are back together, maybe I'll just go and have a look. I would love that. Come and see us. Come and say hello. Uh, and those of you that normally come, if you see strangers, well, don't let them be strangers for too long. Go and say hello yourselves. Tell them how pleased you are to see them. If you are. <laughs> and let's hope you are. <clears throat> so it's uh, not just for people who look like us, think like us, speak like us, dress like us. Everyone's invited. You know, the gospel is, you know, very inclusive. Um, so it doesn't matter. Come. Uh, and, you know, this variety in the way that the spirit works. And again, language is absolutely the key indicator in this. I think the fact that everyone hears the good news about God in their own language is absolutely significant. It is very, very significant because that's all about culture and how, you know, culture is shaped and formed by God and inhabited by God. Uh, and again, you know, it's to do with um not having a, a singular approach, but being prepared to do different things uh, and to think uh, creatively uh, about the gospel and about how we disciple one another. Uh, look for where God already is. Uh, we sometimes think as Christians, don't we, that we've got to get people into church to hear the gospel. That isn't necessarily the case. In fact, it is not the case at all. The church is a place where you can hear the gospel from time to time, uh, especially if I'm doing the preaching, because that's a part of my DNA. But it's not the only place. The gospel can be heard in the marketplace. The gospel can be heard in the workplace. The gospel can be heard in uh, the place of study. It can be heard, in fact, wherever Christians are to be found, which is everywhere. Uh, and God is at work by the power of his spirit. He, he goes before us. I said earlier about praying for people, uh, and I, I would encourage you to do that. If you did uh, the Lent group, you know, and you followed Hannah Steele's book, um, part of that was towards the end, you know, to, to pray for a number of people. I think she suggests four or five people. You think about four or five names of people that you would pray for and want to share the gospel with and, and that you would look for opportunity. Uh, and you would ask God, actually, to lead you and to guide you in that and to provide opportunity. Uh, actually, that does work. And I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and I would encourage you to do that now, starting today. Think about someone that you would like to share the gospel with, you know, two, three, four, five names, however many. 
uh, and just say to God, give me an opportunity to tell my story um, to one of these folk in the next little while. A long time ago in a previous church, I did a little course with a group of people. Part of the course, I mean, it was about discipleship generally, but part of the course was witnessing to someone about your faith, doing exactly what we're talking about now. Uh, and we did, uh, as part of that work, we we did that sort of what networks do I belong to piece of work. Uh, and one lady just said, do you know, I really, really don't know anybody outside of church. And actually, when we examined her networks, that was absolutely the case. So what do you do about that? Well, she was an older lady and I knew she was she was not the sort of person that would go out and make new friends easily. So all we did was we just prayed for her and said, Lord, when you're ready, bring someone to X's notice or bring someone across X's path uh, and enable her to share her story. Uh, we met a couple of weeks later and she was so excited. Uh, and we said, well, what has happened? She said, I managed it. I managed to do it. What? Talk about my faith. I managed to share the gospel with someone. I said, well, what happened then? Because you don't know anybody. She said, I was in the hairdresser. I was sitting in the chair having my hair done. And the hairdresser said something about God. And did I believe that stuff? How amazing was that? So even if you don't know anybody, <laughs> start praying uh, and who knows what God will do. Be ready. Be ready. So look, look for points of contact. The Holy Spirit is at work. He's already at work all over the place. What's God already doing amongst your network, uh, amongst your group of family, friends, neighbours? What could you do or say to encourage further exploration of faith uh, with those folk? Remember, you don't have to have all the answers. You're, you're not going to have all the answers. You'll have some of the answers. Do what you can. Say what you can to encourage folk to take another step uh, towards God. Please don't worry about anything else. Uh, and because you you don't think you can get people from, you know, unbelief all the way through to thoroughgoing disciple in one conversation. Well, because I can't do that, I won't do anything. Forget that. Just do what you can. Do the little that you think you can. That's all I want you to do. That will be enough. Uh, and as you see God at work, uh, you'll start to do more things. Listen carefully to what people are saying to you. Uh, look for what God is already doing uh, and do what you can to encourage people to continue to engage with faith. Be salt and light where you are in your everyday life. That's that's the beginning of all of this. Your witness in the way that you live. That's the beginning of all of this. Um, some folk will come to our church as a result of what you're doing and saying, and some won't. That's just life. Don't worry about it. Uh, it doesn't matter. But sharing your faith starts with living consistently. You know, recognise that God is everywhere, uh, not just in the church. Recognise that the Spirit of God is at work 
amongst your network of people already um, and just watch and pray. Watch and pray. That's all I want you to do. And then share your story as the opportunity arises. So let's draw this to a close, shall we? Um, be ready. Be ready to share your story. Practice it. Rehearse it. You know, those questions. Um, why are you a Christian? How did you become a Christian? What difference does it make to your life now? Think about your story in those three different approaches. You know, how would you answer them? Knowing what you know. Um, rehearse it. Practice it. Know your story. Be ready. Be intentional. Pray. Pray for opportunity. Pray for the people who are in your networks, in your circles of influence. Pray for them because you love them. Not because you want to scalp, but because you love them and you want them to know what you know, which is that they're loved by God. Be generous. This is all about grace. God, as we're just saying, God loves the world. Uh, we've been saying that, haven't we? You know that God loves you. You know that because somebody told you at some point. And you went, oh, yes. So your family, your friends, your neighbours, um, someone needs to tell them that same truth. They're loved by God. I wonder if that somebody could be you. Amen. Let us pray. We pray, Father, for all the folk uh, who are living in conflict situations where their lives are uh, very severely at risk. People living in Afghanistan, uh, people living in Israel, Gaza, the West Bank. We watch the news, Lord, and wonder sometimes whether these places will ever find peace. We pray that they might at some point. For now, we pray for those that hold power. Ask that they would use their power responsibly and that behind the scenes, uh, international uh, leaders would be at work through diplomatic channels to try and bring about a resolution to these very, very difficult problems. We continue to pray for the people of India, for uh, their leaders, their medical staff dealing with uh, very high levels of COVID-19 right now. And again, thankful Lord for the international aid that is flowing into that country. We pray that it will arrive safely and move out into the various regions very quickly. Uh, and be effective in seeking to stem the tide of this virus. We're grateful, Father, for all that has happened in our country and for the uh, large take-up of the vaccine uh, amongst our own people. We pray that that will continue and that many more uh, will make their way to vaccination centres and be protected against COVID. We continue to pray for our own political leadership, both nationally and locally. Uh, particularly, we pray for all those recently elected councillors. Pray, Father, that they'll be finding their feet and will very soon become very effective 
for the local communities that they serve. We pray for anyone who might be experiencing mental health issues right now. We pray, Lord, that they might know God's presence, God's peace and God's healing in the midst of all that they're going through. We continue to be very grateful for our own National Health Service and social care staff. We pray your rich blessing on them, Lord, as they continue to do their work day by day without complaint and with great cheerfulness. Pour out a particular and special blessing on them, we pray. Thank you for the uh, Alpha course, which is running online on Thursdays. We pray that all those who are participating uh, will find uh, those sessions very beneficial. And we pray, Father, that many folk would take a step nearer to you as a result of attending that course. We pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Adrian and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Andy, Thelma, Richard and Naomi. Please be all that our friends need in these days, we pray. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come to share communion. Uh, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read the words that I would normally read. When we're in church together, I will lead the prayers that I would normally lead. Uh, you'll need a piece of bread and you'll need a little wine or whatever you're substituting for wine. Uh, and we will eat and drink together. And I'll be very clear about when we do that and how we do that. You just follow what I am doing. So, if you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours, and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God, and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith, 
and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. In the same way he took the cup after supper, and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something physical to help us remember you. Uh, your body broken for us, the bread broken. Your blood shed for us, the wine that we can taste. Things to touch and see and taste. Thank you, Father, for putting these things into our hands. As we eat and drink, May we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. The body of Christ broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. The blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin.
Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now going to God's word with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts and the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer of all, be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.